You're listening to the Eagles Insider Podcast. Now here's your host, Chris McPherson. He goes, fires, and it is intercepted. Intercepted, running with his Jenkins up the near timeline. Touch back at the 30, at the 40, at the 50. Malcolm Jenkins is going 99 yards for a touchdown. Sproles looks up, takes it at the 15, comes to the 20, to the 25, to the 30, to the 40, to the midfield, 45-40. There goes Sproles, mighty mass on his way to the end zone. Touchdown. Here is the punt, and it's blocked, and it's picked up, and running all the way in for the touchdown. It is mighty good. Bradford, he takes the knee, and that is going to be it. One of the great upsets of the 2015 season. Woo, what a way to start the Eagles Insider Podcast. Some of the best from Merrill Reese from that thrilling 35-28 to win over the New England Patriots. And boy, oh boy, I can't stand the Patriots. I'm Chris McPherson, and welcome to the Eagles Entire Podcast. I'm joined alongside Fran Duffy and Alex Smith. Guys, come on. It's been a few weeks. To, to be, you haven't had a chance to celebrate, so some I, good times. Yeah, and I will say, and BT, you can attest to this, before the game, they welcomed out Dion Branch to be the honorary captain. And right before kickoff, they did an interview with him in the stadium. And so they were, talking, they were airing all the highlights, and BT, I can see, is looking just looking over the screen. And I'm just looking up there thinking, oh, we better win this you, game. You looked right at me and you go, this hurts. Yeah, I like, looked right at him. I was like, you got to And all I remember that is I, I, was in, I was a freshman in college. I drove home that weekend just to be in the city for the mm-hmm. – and I just – it just hurt to watch that. Oh. All, they showed his interception yeah. at the end. And I'm just Rodney like, Harrison, yeah. Yeah, over the – I'm just like, yeah. So. They did have a fantastic national anthem, though. Really? Yes. Ronan, Ronan Tynan, Tynan from the uh, – the, the uh, Boston yeah. yeah, yeah, he's a guy who um, he sang like "God Bless America" at Yankee Stadium after like nine eleven and that kind of thing. If you go on YouTube and watch it, he was excellent though. Yes, he was very good. Very good, Alex. Thank you very much for bringing me the game day cover. Of course, Game Magazine from July City, and it had Dion Branch yes. on the cover. And you know, while doing the kickoff show with Joe DeCamera on Sunday, you know, we were just going back and forth about that Super Bowl game and. It was surreal being there in Jacksonville at Altel Stadium, watching it unfold, especially that fourth quarter. And it was just over like that. It was like such an anticlimactic ending after the Eagles got the touchdown to Greg Lewis. They got the mm-hmm. ball back with less than a minute left. And then the last interception. To Only receiver in Eagles history to catch a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Exactly. Correct. Source of old school 22 last week. It was. I knew it before then. So, but needless to say, the Eagles get a much, 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 much needed victory. Just, it's great to change the tone of the conversation. (laughs) And I I don't want to toot my own horn, but I I called it. I knew knew all along that the Eagles were going to win. You would not not go with on the podcast. I was very confident all week long that we were going to win. And on the podcast last week, for my three and out segment, I was going to go with, you know, five reasons that the Eagles you are did. going to beat the Patriots. And I kind of backed off from it because you succumbed to peer pressure. I did. I we did. We all looked at you like, Alex, come on. But then through the, through the rest of the week, people are asking me, you know, oh, how do you feel about it? How do you feel? And I said, I think they're going to win this game. I just have a good feeling about it. And it held true. So. In fact, it was on the rundown sheet for the podcast last week, I believe. 
It was. It was, and I ex- we crossed it off at the last minute. <laughs> you you called just, an audible at the line of scrimmage, something that you can't do in the Eagles' offense. So maybe you just you know stuck with the game plan. You would have been fine. Yeah, maybe that's why the Eagles don't call audibles in the offense. Exactly. Because they're right the first time. Stick with your gut. Yeah. All right. So we're gonna rehash the win over New England in our three and out segment. I'll have the interview. Fran and Alex will look ahead to this week's opponent, the Buffalo Bills, and a certain player coming back to Philadelphia. Is Who? It's uh, all right. The return of one LaShawn McCoy. Of course. That's right. Are there any other former Eagles playing in the, the Buffalo Bills? that we could um, make that joke? It's the return of insert name here. I, I don't know any don't other. I don't think top of my so. Head. They did have Jalen Watkins, but he's back here now. Exactly. So he's the real enemy intel. Yes. This week. Maybe he'll give me more for Smithology than Jonathan Krause did Maybe. for the Patriots. Are there any other former Bills on the Eagles right now? Bob McNell coached there last time we were there, BT. Jason Peters. Oh, Peters. true, of course. Yeah. Good point. Kiko. 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 A big of course, yes. Mm. Might be it. Well, then Bob McNell. So that might do it there. Uh, and then game time this week, a little over-under. Is that correct, Mr. Yeah. Smithers? Yeah, we're going back to one of the classics, over-under. All about this uh, this upcoming game with the, the Buffalo Bills. They're, they're kind of an old-school team. I think it's going to be a smash-mouth, you know, football, old-school kind of game. So uh, we're, we're going that route with game time as well. Let's go, Buffalo. Let's go. See, I, I didn't know this was like a Bills fight song until yeah. like... Yeah, this is it. I thought it was just shout. I was excited that it was shout. The Oregon players might be upset. Yes. And, uh, of course, your questions to wrap things up on mailing it in. So, again, thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you consume your podcast, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, wherever. But let's move forward to three and out. One, two, three. Three Three is a magic number. Three. Three. Now it's time for three and out. All right, so we're going to look back at the win over the Patriots. And I'm going to start things off by, you know, Taking a big picture look at how this was some of the best that the Eagles have had to offer this season and how it was some of the not-so-best football that we've seen from the Eagles this season. I, I felt like this game was almost in three parts. The first part was the Patriots getting out to a 14 nothing lead. And at the time, the feeling was like, look, the defense was playing much better. They were generating pressure on Tom Brady. You know, Connor Barwin had the sack on the opening series. But still... It just didn't seem like it was going to be enough, even with a Patriots team that was without some key players. So you felt, all right, they're 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 playing better, but they're still down 14 nothing. Then the Patriots go for that you know, drop kick, the onside attempt, for whatever reason, trying to catch the Eagles off guard, and that seemed to spark the Eagles offense because they took advantage, scored the first touchdown, the uh, nice toss to Zach Ertz in the back of the end zone. Eagles get on the board. Then they get the blocked punt by Chris Maragos. Phenomenal job by him. And I think a great job by the Eagles coaches of moving it back to special teams on a full-time basis. And I think that's really helped the special teams units of late and putting Ed Reynolds in that sub-package role that Maragos used to play in. Uh, Najee Good scores a touchdown. All right, we're tied at the half. And then defense, Malcolm Jenkins with a 99-yard pick six, thanks to Walter Thurmond. You know, we can go through the rest of the, the scoring plays. Oh, muy bien. That was great. Yes. Gracias, fellas. That was amazing. I did not asking, see that coming. I was asking oh, for that all day. Oh, 
Yes. And they were like, oh, we can't get oh. it. We can't find it. And I knew it. Like, deep down <laughs> Look inside. Look at the smiles. Like, deep inside. I was like, they totally have it. They're just they're just trying to mess with me. So, Brian Thomas, Chris Steven, thank you very much for that nice surprise there. Yes. So, okay. So, the Eagles scored 35 consecutive points. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing help from all three phases. A Truly a team win, as Sam Bradford said after the game. And everyone's feeling great. They're up 35 to 14. You're in Gillette Stadium. It's going to be a rout. And then it went back to being the ugly side of Eagles football where the onside kick goes off of Zach Ertz. Kenyon Barner has the fumble. The defense allows two touchdowns. Fortunately, they were able to stop the Patriots on the final drive when they had no timeouts in the final minute. But nonetheless, hey, a hard-fought win, and it's much easier to go through the corrections this week after a nice win like that instead of yet another defeat. I made the comparison earlier uh, before we started recording this podcast that to me the game felt a lot like the 2013 season opener in Washington. Because if you think about that game, uh, the Eagles were driving. I think it was their opening possession. They drive all the way inside. I think it was like the 10-yard line. And there was like that fluky backwards pass that D'Angelo Hall picked up, runs it all the way back. Uh, Redskins get an early lead in that game, 7-0. And then the Eagles just get on fire. And Michael Vick's throwing bullets to Deshaun Jackson. Uh, Brent Selk scores. They took a huge lead in that game. Um, and then Washington started to come back towards the end of the game, and you're like, oh, great. You know, they're going to lose this game after you know blowing a huge lead. Uh, so it, I think very similar to the 2013 season opener. Glad that the Eagles obviously came out victorious in both. You know, the, the, the big thing is that you go to that onside kick try by New England, and, you know, they, they pitch it to Nate Ebner, the former rugby player, and he does the drop kick. And none, no one up front for the Eagles was fooled by that play. And Chip Kelly brought it up. You know, I forget if it was today on Monday or if it was after the game, uh, and said, "Look, I can't guarantee that if the, if New England had recovered that, that that game would have just gone south quickly. That they would not have been able to recover. Uh, you know, they were up fourteen nothing at that point. If they get good field position, go up twenty one nothing. How does the team try and rebound and come back after that? But just a series of great plays." Uh, from the Eagles' defense and special teams, and obviously, you know, the offense did what it needed to do uh, to secure the victory. Just a great team win. Speaking of the offense, the return of one quarterback, Sam Bradford, was Bradford's return all it took. For his- yeah, I'd like to talk about Sam Bradford for a second, if I could. Uh, so, if you look at Bradford's st- the stats from last night, fourteen to twenty-four, one hundred and twenty yards. You say, you know, those those numbers don't jump off the page at you. Um, but he throws for two touchdowns. He doesn't throw a pick. Uh, 99.3 quarterback rating. And I think I read that it was his third straight game with a 99 passer rating. Was he sacked? I think he may have been once. You got the- uh, I do have the I do have He's got, the game. He's got the game book, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let me go through it. I was just trying to go off the top of my head. I think, uh, it, I think it was he one was, time. He was sacked once by Gerard Mayo. Uh, especially what, the, third down, uh, the third down pass to Riley Cooper. Uh, where Jason Peters made a heck of a play at the last second uh, to lunge out, and I think it was Rob Ninkovich coming off the edge uh, and really bailed Bradford out, but he stepped up in the pocket, delivered the pass, uh, and that was right before the uh, the Barner fumble, I believe. So things were looking pretty good for the Eagles uh, at that point. But just Bradford in general on this season, uh, the numbers, again, they don't jump out at you. Uh, he's only gone over 300 passing yards twice this season, and that was in the season opener at Atlanta, uh, and then he did it again against New Orleans. He threw for 333. But other than that, it's been below 300 yards every game. But even with all that said, I think the numbers are a little bit deceiving because in the last seven games that Bradford has started and finished, the Eagles are 5-2 and two in those games. 
And in every game, it looks like he's getting a little bit better, a little, a little bit more comfortable in the offense. I think the Dallas game was probably the best game he had all season long. Um, and then the Miami game, he was on pace. I think uh, Chip Kelly mentioned today he had like a 118 quarterback rating in that game before he got hurt. So I really think that, you know, there's been questions about Bradford from the fans all season long about whether he was the right fit for this offense or if he could stay healthy, all that stuff. But I think that it's we can honestly see a progression in Bradford in his game where I think he's getting better every single game. And he may not put up the flashiest numbers, but it's, his play is translating into wins. And I think that's the biggest thing for this team right, team right now. All right. So we've talked about the offense. Now let's transition to the defense. Yeah, so, you know, obviously, look, it was a – going into the game, you kind of thought about this New England offense in a couple of different ways. You thought, all right, either Tom Brady is really going to try and spread it out and, you know, he's going to – they don't have one particular weapon, but, you know, you had all the different pieces that he had been uh, having a lot of success with over the past uh, couple of weeks without some of their big weapons on the field. So whether it was Chandler or Bolden or LaFell, they were going to find ways to make plays. Danny Amendola came back from injury as well. So they were either going to do that or – we talked about this, Alex, before the game. We were going to see a lot of LeGarrette Blunt, and they were going to try and run it on the Eagles. So uh, it was, especially when you had Benny Logan, who was not 100%. Seth Thornton was already out. So you kind of already thought, okay, maybe this was not this was going to be a LeGarrette Blunt kind of a day. I thought that after a couple early runs where uh, they were cu- kind of cutback runs, where the, the Eagles kind of lost contain on the backside, I thought that they really rebounded well, and they really did a good job on the ground. But really, to me, this game came to the back seven, and really just a great job by those guys in coverage. The rush was great, and they did a much better job against the rush, You know, getting after the quarterback in this game, not always just in terms of sacks, but also moving the quarterback off the spot. I thought Fletcher Cox was excellent. But then you look on the back end, Malcolm Jenkins had one of his best games, and not just because of the pick six, had a number of big plays in coverage, came down and defended the screen game very well on the perimeter. And then Eric Rowe, I thought, had a really, really good game on the outside in his first start. Uh, obviously not the level of competition that he faced a week ago with Calvin Johnson, but uh, in terms of his technique, I thought one of the things I really liked about him at Utah was his physicality, the urgency, the emotion that he played with. And I just I remember saying when he was at Utah, wow, Philly fans are going to really like this kid because of the way he plays. Some of that emotion really came through this week. Uh, you saw the last play that he made uh, on fourth down where you know he, the celebration at the end, the big hit that he made on a screen pa- pass in the flat, and you know he came up and celebrated. Those kinds of plays, it was great to see uh, the rookie make. And just, again, across the board, the secondary just did a really good job trusting their technique and playing within the scheme and helping the rush get to Brady. Did you see anything drastically different from a schematic standpoint? From Bill Davis because watching on TV didn't seem like that he did too many different things and there might have been some subtle nuances but it seemed like overall he stuck to what has gotten the defense up to the first eight games of the season not the last couple sure uh so I didn't see anything drastically different in terms of uh, different pressure schemes. And I actually saw more in terms of variation and, and the ways they got after the quarterback a week ago against Detroit. Um, but really what what they did was they just came out and they did a really good job on the back end. I think the coverage was just as important as the guys up front in the in this getting at, in, in this pass rush in this past game. You know, you look at Brandon Graham and Vinnie Curry and Connor Barwin, a lot of the production that they had were because A, Fletcher Cox did such a good job inside of forcing Brady outside off his spot and whether he was rolling right or rolling left right into those guys or the guys on the back end did such a great job and you can think of so many different plays and I, I talked about it in the column on Monday is uh, you know all the different times where 
Brady was forced to move off his first or second or third read because the coverage was so tight on the back end. And then that allowed the guys up front to really, you know, there were times they, they got home on a three-man rush, uh, which the Eagles have had trouble doing that over the past couple of weeks. So it was really good to see uh, both the back seven work with the front four to generate a pass rush. Uh, and it was really just a complete game for the defense. And then, you know, special teams, those guys really, they came to play. And you, we talked earlier about the, the, the onside kick. But that punt, the block punt by Maragos that was scooped up by Najee Good, just a great example of scheme and then the execution end of it all kind of coming together. They did a great job of putting both Kenyon Barner and Chris Maragos in the A-gaps. The, the Patriots decided it was a classic way to try and protect against it. They, they zoned one way, and they man-protected on the other side. And since Brian Brayman, who's lined up inside, and he's, he's always been, if you remember back to last year and some of those big punt blocks, even though it wasn't always Brayman getting through, Chip Kelly would always talk about the first step, Brian Bayman coming off the ball, and he would always pull an extra man with him, and that's exactly what happened on this play. He pulled that right guard or the left guard with him. That opened up a lane for Maragos, and uh, he jumps in and gets it. Does a great job getting his hand on the ball, and uh, Najee Good, who was a contained player on the outside, ends up scooping it up and taking it back. So, uh, just a great job overall from the entire special teams unit. Well said there, friend. So uh, now we're going to transition to the interview, and then after that, we'll have enemy intel. We'll move on to Buffalo as well as your questions on mailing it in, and of course, game time. But first, the interview. And now it's time for what you've all been waiting for, the interview. My special guest on this week's edition of the Eagles Insider Podcast, none other than, I would do a little drum roll, but I won't embarrass myself here, cornerback Byron Maxwell, B-Max. Welcome to the podcast. Man, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate of course. it. You know, we, we want to... Enlighten the fans out there, so to speak. So take me behind the scenes. Okay, after the game against Detroit, obviously very difficult loss. What happened to kind of right the ship, so to speak, to get everyone in line and ready for the win over New England? You know, I, I think guys just, you know, was realistic about what could happen on the team. It's just not the coaches on the line. I think players understood that they were on the line too. We in this together. You know, we got to write this shit together, and we're very capable of doing it. So it was one of those things, let's just go back to work and, and see what happens. Did you hear what Malcolm Jenkins said earlier in the week? And did that have a ripple effect, especially in your position group room, in the D-backs room? I, I wasn't sure what he said. I, I know it was something on the lines of accountability. Exactly, and, yeah. Um, but I didn't hear the whole quote. I didn't even read it. But that's always the case. You know, as far as the DBs, we always hold each other accountable, and uh, we stick together. You know, we're you know very, very tight group. So he wasn't wrong in saying it. You know, um, that's how we feel as a as a unit. What is a, a position meeting like? Can you take us behind the scenes and and what goes into a position meeting during the course of the week? He's just talking about you know their routes and um you know Buffalo here coming up. It, you know, okay. it poses a lot of threat just because they can do so many things. The offensive coordinator is you know a genius. I would say I like him a lot. Greg Roman. Yeah, Greg Roman. I faced him a lot in Seattle. Seattle. Yep. He always has something new. He's just he's just a great mind. He's good for the for the league. Well, how's uh, Sammy Watkins? Young receiver, second year. He can take the top of the defense. Um, he can run routes. He, he's a good. He's a great young talent in his lead. Um, just looking forward to seeing him a lot going against him too. When you scout a guy, what are the things that you look for? What are the the tendencies that you try to pick up during film study throughout the course of the week? Uh, how he runs his, his go routes. You know, that's the biggest thing. Uh, that's the easiest way, quickest way for offense to get down the field. How he comes in and out of his breaks it says a lot. Does he come back for the ball? Those are little small things I lo- I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. When you're on the field and you're matched up against a receiver, 
take me through when do you get out of your backpedal? What determines that? Is it, you know, the depth where you're at in the field, the route that you think it's going to be? It's just formation. Um, what I feel like when I feel like he's up on me. And the main thing is not, not getting beat deep. Everything else you can rally back to, and it won't it, it, it won't hurt your defense. Not a brand, but don't break defense. But mm-hmm. uh, you understand that's my one job in his, in his, his, in his defense. I don't allow the big play. And everything else you can come back on. And um, sometimes the quarterback's late on the comeback, and you can make a play on that. But when they throw that ball down deep and you're not there and he catches that ball, that's six, that's points. You just you just got to stay on top. That's truly that's what it is on um, football. It makes it it's easy once you do that thing right there. You, you got in your mind, like, I'm going to stay on top, and my eyes going to be on point today. Um, it's easy after that. B-Max, when you signed here with Philadelphia, all the coaches said, man, we watched B-Max take on Jordan Matthews, and, you know, it was probably the best corner against Jordan Matthews all season. When you were playing against Matthews, what was your scouting report? What was your assessment of going against him? He was a big guy that could catch the ball um, down the field in traffic, but those are my strings too. So I was like, all right, cool. Um, I just got to stay with him in the routes. If it's a 50-50 ball, I feel like I got just as much chance to get it too. But Jordan feels the same way. Mm-hmm. So that was the biggest thing. Like I was like, all right, just stick with him. If I'm around the ball when it's, when it's here, I got a, I got a shot just like he got a shot. And now you're starting to see it now. Like He's coming. He's a man now. Like he's, if somebody's around him, he can go up and catch and use his body. He's, he's bigger than what people think too. Has he brought up that matchup at all? Throughout the course of the season? Not during the season. When I first got here, he, he was saying things about it. He's like, man, he, he did pretty good against me. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, that's what I do. What's he like in the locker room? He's a funny guy, man. He, he can freestyle. He's he, great personality. Um, he can freestyle. He can freestyle. You, would you guess that? Jordan I Matt. know he's a big Kanye fan. Huge Kanye fan. It'd be times we were just chilling and he'd throw out a lyric just from like, I don't even know. Like, it's just like, he's like a, he's like an encyclopedia for lyrics or something. Like Interesting. That. Yeah. I like that. What's the toughest hit that you've ever seen during the course of a game? Whether you did it or one of your teammates did it. I don't want to go all the way back, but this year, let me see. Malcolm Jenkins, uh, he hit. I was a part of it. He hit um, Lucky Whitehead for the Dallas, for Dallas pretty hard. Yeah. And I thought he was sleeping, and but he wasn't, though. Okay. He just... He just probably blacked out for a little bit and then came back to it. Like he was. You mentioned Gronk. You had no problem catching that ball in the end zone against Brady. Where does that rank in terms of the bucket list of intercepting quarterbacks? That's up there, man. That's up there. Just, you know, he's the best of all time. Falls the era I, that I know um, watching football. I mean, he's arguably the greatest of all time any any era, so. Yeah, but, you know, you, you got different eras, and guys can speak up and be like, okay, I just, just move my eyes. You know? Yeah. It's up there. I got Aaron Rodgers and Eli Manning. Those are Super, win, Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. Yeah. So, you know, he's definitely, and he's, I don't know who's who's out there with A-Rod or him who was on that list, but that's pretty, that's pretty good. I like that. I mean, you know, I don't know if I keep the ball, but it's something, you know, it's there. Not many people pick off Tom Brady. Like, he only no. got, like, five, six interceptions on a year right now. And he's, what, 38? Mm-hmm. Still balling. Is there a quarterback you want to intercept? Obviously, you've mentioned some of the all-time greats. Well, Peyton so. Manning. Yeah, I would like to intercept Peyton Manning. Okay. Drew Brees, I should have intercepted him a couple of times. Either I dropped the ball or I got the ball hit out of my hand with Brees. We'll say you got the ball hit out of your hand. Well, no. no. Well, the one 
I, we had here last um, when we played them. Yeah, I had a, a shot for it. I had the ball, but I was trying to spin and get up, and the dude Willie Sneed hit the ball at my hand. Gotcha. Okay. And then we was in in Seattle. I had the ball, and that was like the game winning interception. I would like close the game out, and me well Earl came and he kind of slapped the. He was going for the ball too, but he slapped the ball at my hands too. So Breeze Breeze getting lucky. <laughs> Do you ever look back at all the corners? were selected in your draft you were 26 oh really i didn't know that 26 cornerback selected in uh what was it 2011 nfl draft sixth round do you ever go think about the guys who went before you no i don't i mean, it's, it's whatever they, if they're in the lead they're out of the lead it don't no matter to me i'm doing my thing what did they miss what, what they miss what did the teams miss how's a guy like you know richard sherman your teammate in seattle for those years he went a couple spots before you did so, you know, he's one of the best in the game. You signed a big deal here in Philadelphia after a great career in Seattle. What, what did teams miss? Well, to be honest with you, Richard Sherman, when we came out, he, he was a lot polished, a lot more polished than me every, uh, at corner. Um, and for me, I had to work. I had to probably work. It was probably like year two or three that I became like the player I am today when I was like, okay, all right, this is – you know, I'm gonna be in the lead, like like I'm I'm one of the better cornerbacks. Richard Sherman, he was a lot po- more polished than me. I I didn't feel like I became polished until probably year two of being in the lead, going into year three, that I felt like I was like, okay, cool, I could play here. Uh, you went to Clemson near your hometown in South Carolina, North Charleston, South Carolina. Is that correct? North Charleston, Charleston, Charleston. Okay. Uh, how much does the aura of Brian Dawkins, who's one of the greatest players in Eagles history, came from Clemson, former second round pick out of there. Does his aura reside there as much as it does here in Philadelphia? Yeah, we definitely proud of him. Um, yeah, what he's what he's done in the league and the person he is. And you you're very aware that Brian Dawkins wins at Clemson when you get there. So yeah, he's his aura is there. Not if that, not only that, people just know you from Clemson and that pedigree means a lot. You know, it means like guys, you know, like Brian Dawkins went here. So you know, let me give Byron Maxwell a, ch- a chance, maybe. You know, who knows. He could probably – he might not be Brian Dawkins, but if he's half of that, we got a great player. We got a good player. That's pretty good. Yeah. Half of Brian Dawkins is pretty darn good. <laughs> yeah, you know. So, But, yeah, he's, he's definitely aware that he went to Clemson. And he comes back, too, and, he, you know, he talks to you. Um, and, you know, he gives you speech, that speech, you know. Just – he's a very intense dude. Um, I love being around him, man, just, you know, getting knowledge from him and talking to him. Have you talked to him since you came here to Philly? Yeah, definitely. definitely. Did he – impart any words of wisdom anything along those lines uh he, he he told me about the fans man he's like i got booed here but when they love you they love you don't make no excuses just play ball like give them everything on the field is clemson gonna win the national title i believe so um i'm certainly hope hoping um i think we could do it you know we got a special kid we got a special quarterback sean watson Deshaun yep. watson heisman um, finalist yep yes I, there's no reason why he shouldn't win the heisman i know you got mccaffrey but his team lost like two, two, three games. Mm-hmm. Uh, he only had like 13 touchdowns. He only got 13 tugs. That's not a lot of so tugs. That's not a lot of touchdowns. Not a touchdown, but he set the broke Barry Sanders record for. Her. That's impressive. That, that's impressive. That, that, is, that okay. is impressive. Deshaun Watson has 40 something touchdowns. His team's number one. A lot more in state. A lot more pressure. Number one since like the the playoffs. You know, I mean, this is a soft. This is 19 year old kid, 20 year old yeah. kid. That type of pressure on that's the franchise of the Clemson. How he carries himself, 
It's a good know. defense there too. It is. And you know, um, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I'm, I'm, you, you, I'm, I'm you, loving the case here. I love the I'm case. Just, I'm just saying, like you know, just weigh all those things. And defense is good, but mm-hmm. um, I think we got a better offense than defense. Okay. How much? I don't want to say pressure, but knowing that you came from South Carolina, from Charleston, South Carolina, you went to Clemson, you've made it big in the NFL. Do you feel a responsibility to give back? I know you have your charity. I know you do a lot of work down there. Do you feel like that that's something that, you know, so much has been given to you that you've got to give some back? Uh, definitely. But I, I don't think necessary giving back is with money. I think just um, being there and actually them seeing my face, I think that means more and that, that goes a longer way versus just being just giving giving like certain like money and everything. I think I think just being there and they, they get to touch it and they know it's real and they know like success is real. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the biggest thing for a, per- a person is hope and all. Um, I, so I think actually being there, you know, and, and you know, and, but I can't obviously be there like enough like how I want. Of course, yeah. But that's the biggest thing I think, you know, as far as giving back. I already asked you kind of like, you know, how did the league miss out on you? How did you make it from where you grew up? Where I'm sure so many people try to reach for the stars and don't get out. How did you accomplish that? A lot of prayer. How do I make it here, man? It's just that's that's crazy because you know I, I told my ACL all that, all that. I think about the story all the time. Like I'm here, and like you know, other guys is 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 probably more talented or, or like even had a bigger name than me that didn't make it. Uh, you know, for even if we went back to Clemson, uh, DeAndre McDaniel, he was a safety player for us. Like he was, you know, great. He had like eight interceptions our junior year. He he didn't play one down the league. And it's just it's confusing to me today how this dude don't make the leads. I know I'm thankful. Um, it's luck, and it's just it just worked out. Um, I I couldn't tell you. I had no idea. I mean, I I I'm, I try to be humble. I try to treat people um how I like to be treated. That's not always the case, you know. For success, it's just it worked out. I mean, Byron, you mentioned prayer a lot there. Our cameras, our ETN crew went to film your charity event down in South Carolina over the off season during the summer, and while they were down there there was a tragic shooting at the church that was in Charleston. You were down there, obviously, for that weekend. Can you take me through your mindset of what was going on during that time of something that was getting such national attention happening right in your backyard? Obviously, it was an um, awful thing to happen. It was just, you know, uh, Charleston just was, it was morning. Like, I mean, it was it was just a, not a depressed place because I felt like the world showed you know, in, in, in Charleston, Charlestonians, they show like, you know, what it was all about, love and just coming together. Um, obviously that stuff like that shouldn't happen. It just showed the world that, you know, that you can't break us, that we, that we you know, that if you love each other, we could get through anything. It was just, it was just a great thing, part of being, being part of. Um, you, you even had Obama coming down there and um, yeah. conducting and saying what he had to say. Um, so it, it meant a lot, obviously, um, but it's not over. Uh, we, you know, things like this happen every day. It seems like it happened even more now. That's what I'm saying. Like you, you gotta, you gotta just, you gotta just pray, and, and you know, everything will be all right. But it, it's crazy, man. What, what, what this, what this world is going to, and what, what it coming to in the United States. B Max, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. No, it's been a ton of fun. Yeah, Byron Maxwell, our special guest on this, this week's you, edition. And you do this every week. Every week. And it's the first time you had me on here, man. I have asked. Uh, you can talk to the PR guys since week like three or four. I have asked every week, can Byron do it this week? Can Byron do it this week? So. I'm suckers. <laughs> Byron Maxwell on the Eagles Insider Podcast. All right, man.
Time to get ready for game day. It's time for Enemy Intel. All right, Fran. Well, it's time to break down the X's and O's here for the Eagles and Bills this Sunday at Lincoln Financial Field. And the first thing that I want to talk about today is that Bills rushing attack. Obviously, we know about LaShawn McCoy. He played six seasons here in Philadelphia. Franchise's all-time leading rusher. But this Bills rushing attack might be the most multifaceted that the Eagles have seen this year. Certainly in the last month. <laughs> I would say Carolina's is probably a little bit more multifaceted for sure. But, you know, certainly this offense brings a lot of different issues that the Eagles defense will have to prepare for. Really, it comes in three different levels. And it starts, obviously, you have LaShawn McCoy. And Eagles fans know what his skill set is. What, what are his strengths and his ability to make people miss, his burst, his quickness, his lateral agility. That's where LaShawn McCoy's strength lies in this offense. And they use it pretty well. I mean, you know, they have really worked to try and gain a lot of yards on the perimeter. They use a lot of different sweeps and outside perimeter runs to get him going. Every once in a while, you'll, you'll still see the inside zone, and they'll run a little bit of power with Shady. But really, when he's in the game, you have to be looking for these sweeps, these outside zones, a lot of these different plays to try and get him going on the perimeter. The next facet of the run game, though, comes with the quarterback, Tyrod Taylor, and what he can do, not just in the zone read, but then also in the design quarterback runs. They do run some of those from time to time. You'll see quarterback power, quarterback sweep, quarterback stretch play, different kinds, and that doesn't even take into account the zone read as well, where it's an option there between him and McCoy. And then also, you have to keep an eye on him when he's scrambling. You know, as a passer, he's he's a threat to be able to throw from the perimeter. And then also, when things break down, he has the ability to beat defenses with his feet. So the Eagles defense will have to be very disciplined in their rush lanes, make sure that they maintain their gap integrity, keep him square, and keep him in the pocket. That's where this defense will want to keep Tyrod Taylor's, keep him in the pocket. And then the third level is Carlos Williams, who's back, the rookie from Florida State, who was a I want to say he was a mid to late round pick, or maybe did he even go? Did he go undrafted? I don't I don't think I think he was a yeah, I think he was a mid to late round pick, but big physical guy who's got the ability to get downhill quickly. And, you know, and they've really done a good job of putting him in position to succeed. A lot of their power runs, there's gap scheme runs. They'll run a little bit of trap here and there. Some things to get him downhill quickly. That's what he is. And he, he is a track runner through and through, has the ability to get downhill quickly. And when he sees the hole, he hits it hard and he's got the burst to be able to pull away from defenders in the open field. So really, you've got three different facets of this offensive attack on the ground that you have to contend with if you're the Eagles defense. You have Shady, Tyrod Taylor, and then the rookie, Carlos Williams. And it's really interesting, and this stat was brought to my attention by Chris McPherson. Every time he's gone over 100 yards this year, three times, he's run for exactly 112 yards in all three of those games. So we'll see if that stat holds true uh, this week. Hopefully not. Hopefully the Eagles can uh, keep him a little bit quieter than that. So we talked about the ground game. Let's talk about the passing game for Buffalo. You mentioned Tyrod Taylor. We heard from Eagles coordinators who mentioned how good he is at throwing the deep ball. And one of the reasons why is because he has a guy like Sammy Watkins, who's one of the best young receivers in the NFL right now. Yeah, and he is so good at the deep ball, you know, and his ability. Obviously, he's got the vertical speed. He's got the ability to run past corners, but he does such a good job of stacking corners when he gets past them. Once he gets even, he works to get on top of the corner, and now you're in a position, if you're a defensive back, really you either have to completely run, try and run around him, which takes a lot, obviously, running full speed and try and get back in position, or you're causing a penalty, or you're throwing your hands up and praying that the ball falls incomplete. So he does such a good job at being able to, you know, play the ball in the air as well. I mean, he does a good job with positioning his body so that you can't get through to the catch point. Uh, he does such a really good job on the deep ball, but he's got such great yards after catch ability. Uh, he shows the ability to be a very, very good route runner. I can remember the game against the New York Jets earlier this year where he ran circles around Darrell Rivas on a couple of different plays. He's such a dynamic athlete, and what he does 
as a savvy route runner. It's very, very impressive for a young receiver just in the second year. And unlike some of the other receivers that the Eagles have played this year, some of the other top guys from the Odell Beckhams to Calvin Johnsons and Brandon Marshalls, they've never seen Sammy Watkins before. Who does he compare to most in terms of other NFL receivers? Who does he compare to with other NFL receivers? I mean, honestly, in terms of guys that they have faced, he's similar in ways that he can win to an Odell Beckham in that, you know, he's got the ability to go up and win. And we talked about his ability to position uh, and win the deep ball. But then also in the quick game, he's got the ability to win on those quick slants and those bubbles and different things like that. And the Giants have done lots of those different kinds of things with Odell Beckham. So the similar challenges that you expect with ODB, you've got that with Sammy Watkins. So I'll be interested to see how the Eagles try and defend him. You know, I, I think they've shown in the past few weeks that they can be very creative on the back end in terms of their bracketing and, and how they try and uh, double cover receivers. So we'll see how much Bill Davis tries to get some of that coverage towards Watkins' way. And finally, switching sides of the football, uh, I think most Eagles fans know that Rex Ryan is renowned for being a great defensive coach. But when you actually watch the film, what are some of the foundations, some of the cornerstones of that Rex Ryan defense that he's brought to Buffalo? Well, surely the pressure, and that, and that's obviously a big part, big part of it. But really, also, the other thing they have to take into account is it's not just the scheme. They've also got some really talented players in that front seven as well. They've done a good job of drafting in Buffalo over the past couple of years, especially on the defensive side of the football. So, you know, you've got guys that can get after the passer. Jerry Hughes, they got from Indianapolis, a former first-round pick, has really paid dividends for them. They just signed into an extension over the last couple of years, and he's dynamic pass rusher. He's got the ability to get off the ball quickly. He can win with his hands. He can win with his flexibility, turn the corner, and accelerate running the hoop and you know and sacking quarterbacks does a great job attacking the throwing arm has forced a number of different fumbles this year against some top level quarterbacks so just a really impressive pass rusher obviously you have Mario Williams on the other side Marcel Darius inside they lost Kyle Williams who was kind of that horse inside for them but they've got so many different players that they kind of play inside at the linebacker position it sounds like Nigel Bradham isn't going to play this week but they still have a number of different players that they play in there Stewart the rookie from Clemson has gotten some playing time Preston Brown from Louisville is also also seen a lot of time so they've got a lot of young players in that front seven and they do lots of different things to try and mix it up you know they a lot of the man blitzes that we saw really for most of the season you look at what they saw from the New York Jets a lot of man blitzes that we, we've seen from a team like that but then also a lot of the zone pressures that they're that the Ryan brothers have been so good at in the past they do different things to try and mix that up the big thing it looks like Stefan Gilmer is going to be out of this week and, that, and that's a huge loss for this defense huge loss uh, we'll certainly see uh how that affects things on Sunday great stuff from Fran as always be sure to check out Fran's Eagle Eye in the Sky columns throughout the week on PhiladelphiaEagles.com as he breaks down all the X's and O's heading into Sunday's game. And now we will transition ahead into game time. Get out your scorecards. It's game time. So guys, as I mentioned earlier, I think this Sunday's game is going to be a bit of a throwback game. I think both teams feature very strong running attacks. It's going to be hard-nosed smash mouth football so for game time this week i'm throwing it back to a classic here on game time and that would be over under simple game simple concept uh you guys go back and forth i'll give you some numbers you tell me over or under do we all understand i think i got the gist of it there you go there it is yes so first question and i know it's it's chip says it's a one game season we take things one game at a time i'm looking ahead a little bit because it's game time we can have some fun in the final four games for the Eagles, they have the Bills, Cardinals, Washington, and the Giants. Over under three and a half wins needed to win the NFC East. Three and a half. This is the key. You said needed. Okay. Mm. Yes. 
So do you have three, Washington's... three wins would make them eight and eight. Do you have Washington and New York schedules? I have New York's. I know New York's off the top of my head because I was okay. looking it up. New York has Miami at Miami, Carolina at Minnesota, and then us. So um, New York has a tough schedule down the stretch. Bottom line is I think I'll take the under because I think eight will probably end up winning the division at this point. Now, the big thing is we're taping this Monday afternoon. We don't Washington, know Washington, Dallas. We don't know right. the result of that. And that will definitely dictate the standings you like here. That? Yeah. You like that? So Washington has Dallas on Monday night. Then they go to Chicago. Then they have Buffalo at home. Then they're at Philly. Then they're at Dallas. So they get Dallas they twice. They get Dallas twice. Mm. At Chicago. Chicago just lost a really tough game. I'm gonna. I'm still gonna say two and a half, or I, I would say that the number would be two and a half. So I will take the under. You'll take the under. I will take the under. Yeah. The so you think it's three. So you yeah, both think would, eight and eight probably think, wins the division. I would yeah. agree. I think I agree as well. I would like to see the Eagles win all four games, but I think if you go eight and eight, and then obviously it depends on what the other teams do, but eight and eight I think would do would be enough to get the Eagles well, in, and then we'll, we'll see what happens. Here's the thing: How many games will it take for the Eagles to win the division? Yes. See, the challenge is going to be: Will eight and eight be good enough? It's not rocket science. Just say it can be those tiebreaker rules every year when it comes up. It's like (laughs) it is rocket science. That is my favorite SNL line of all time. (laughs) Uh, I'll I'll stick with the under. Okay, so you guys are both going with the under. Needed is the key word. Correct. Uh, Up next, um, let's talk about the Eagles running backs for a little bit here. Obviously, DeMarco Murray just eight carries in the game yesterday in New England. We saw Kenyon Barner getting a lot of touches. Darren Sproles really led the way. So this week, 15 carries for DeMarco Murray this week. Or are we going to see more of a rotation from the Eagles? Over under 15 carries for DeMarco. I will go under. I think it's more of a rotation. I know it's going to be matchup based. This is a very stout Buffalo front. You know, once again, it's going to be very similar, I think, to New England. It's the way to beat them is on the edges. And who are the guys who are better at getting to the edges? It's Ryan Matthews, if he's cleared and able to play. Darren Sproles and Kenyon Barner. So I will take the under. Interesting. I'm going to take the over. And I'm going to take the over, not because of traditional thinking, but because, look, it's Shady's coming to town. DeMarco's going to get the ball. He's got to be worth his weight in gold. I think he's going to see the ball a lot on Sunday. Very interesting. Now, along the same lines, this is assuming that Ryan Matthews clears concussion protocol and he's back this week. So assuming that all running backs are available, over under three and a half active running backs for the Eagles on Sunday. Very interesting. If Matthews is back, do they keep Kenyon Barner active because he's played fairly well in his time? I still say under. I don't know if you can afford to have four running backs active. Because if you have, say Ryan Matthews is 50-50 coming into the game. I mean, he also had a groin injury. I don't know if that's limiting him whatsoever. But he's trying to come back from the concussion. But still, even if you say he's 50-50, you still have healthy DeMarco and you still have healthy Darren Sproles. So I'll go under. I think, unfortunately... One of them, and I would probably still say Kenyon Barner at this Mm -hmm. point would be the one who's inactive. I will say the one thing that Barner has going in his favor is that he does play special teams, not just as a returner, but uh, you know does play on the core special teams. So I will go under, though. I will go under. I will say that Barner will sit. Up next, how many times this week will Chip Kelly be asked about LaShawn McCoy? Over under 14 and a half. We're already at two as of the taping of this show. He was asked once during his press conference on Monday and he was asked on WIP this morning. So we're already at two, 14 and a half times. It's got to be the under. Well, 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 here's, here's the thing. Okay. So you're including his Monday press conference with the media mm-hmm. and his sports radio WIP one-on-one. Yes. He's going to do a one-on-one with Dave Spadaro. Sure. He's going to do 
Kelly Strader, I guess, wouldn't come up in that. Probably won't touch on it with Kelly Strader, no. Okay. He's got to do the conference, conference call, call with Buffalo Media. That's a guarantee at least two or three. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he has two more press conferences. Maybe I'm not including the conference call. I feel like right. that's going to break it. Just I think if you don't include it, it's, it's surely under. a no. Surely a no. I, don't think, I don't think so. I think it's over. You think they're going to keep ramming it, I huh? think when he comes back out on Wednesday, I think... The first seven questions or so are going to be about about LaShawn McCoy. Probably, yeah. And then comes back out on Thursday, and it's going to be a lot of the same stuff. The thing will be is LaShawn McCoy has his conference call Wednesday afternoon. Sure, exactly. Does LaShawn stir the pot? And we all assume he will. (laughs) I I think he will. So yeah, then yeah. he's got to respond to those, and it's I saw, I'm taking the under. I don't think it would get oh. to 14. Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go with the under. I'm as taking well. the over. I, I'm taking the over. I'll keep track of that throughout the week. Yeah. Speaking of Lashawn McCoy, over under one half of a standing ovation for Lashawn McCoy on Sunday. So basically, will he get one or won't he? Uh, unfortunately, I'll say he will get a standing ovation. I shouldn't say unfortunately. I mean, he's the all-time mm-hmm. leading rusher in franchise history. Right. It's just that he's a good player that's on the opponent. Mm-hmm this week see i don't hold them up in that same class as like donovan and dawkins in terms of the all-time players of guys who got standing ovations and i think the reason for that is and i could be wrong is that those guys were here for a long time like how many years did was mcnab here well mcnab was nine nine years ten years no he was he got it was class of 99 and it was 2010 2010 yeah Yeah. him and dawkins were here for 10 plus years yes McCoy's only here for six. six years. That's a long time in the NFL. For a running back. And yeah. he set the all-time record in six seasons. Yeah, but the real difference is the fact that what did Donovan and Dawkins, and I'll say Brian Westbrook because you know I love B. West. Those guys had playoff wins and deep playoff runs. McCoy didn't have that. Right. It's almost like that when you talk about in college football, like what was the Heisman moment for, for those guys? Like you can pick like so many classic Eagles memories around those guys. Like what is uh, Shady's? I, well, snowball. I think the snowball. 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 The snowball, snowball is his the touchdown game. Surely the, the huge year where he broke the record for, for touchdowns in a season. Mm-hmm. But the snowball, I mean, would be it. Timer. And all this being said, I, I will say I will take the over. I think he'll get a standing up. Yeah, he'll get a standing ovation. Yeah, I, standing I think he should. Obviously, he had some comments after he was traded that, uh, you know. That doesn't count. May have may have rubbed the fans the wrong way, but I think he was beloved when he was here. The fans, the fans love Shady. I think he gets one, and I hope he gets one on Sunday. All right, next one up. Over under one and a half fist pumps for Sam Bradford this week. <laughs> Oh, I because hope he had, what, two of them this week? And it was on the same play, too. It was the the double fist pump from Sam Bradford, uh, which I think was after the Riley Cooper play. Yes. When he found Cooper for the first down. So over under one and a half fist pumps for Sam Bradford. Over. This week. Easily the over. BT, if you could rate that last one on a scale of one to Eldrick Woods, what would you, uh, what would you rate? <laughs> it it might have been Eldrick Woods and the Dave Chappelle skit. <laughs> that, that, that's, 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 how, that's, how, that's how rough it was. It was yeah. so not cool. That I, was like, <laughs> I disagree. So. I love fired up Sam Bradford. Me too. I get it's so my favorite thing. Yeah. True story. I, I texted Fran at 6 o'clock Monday morning asking for the for the GIF. It was 6 a.m. I got a text asking, asking for it. And I said, yeah, I'll know. Because you were already in the office. Right. I knew you were already in the office watching tape. And I said, you know, I was writing my five things column for the morning. And I said, I would love to tweet this with the Sam Bradford fist pump GIF. And I was like, Fran will be in the office. And of it was course. worth it. It was. I've seen the GIF. It's, <laughs> I watched it numerous times. It's tremendous. All right, guys. Last one. Over under 100 rushing yards. For LaShawn McCoy. Under. Eagles defense will be juiced for this game, yeah. too. Yeah, but he's going to be juiced for this game. Don't let emotion play with you. Don't let play emotion with play emotion. with emotion. Don't play let emotion with emotion play with you. 
Exactly. Mm-hmm. Think about all the guys that never really got to hit him. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> think about think about Kendrick. Kendrick is going to want to annihilate him. Can we can we bring back Trent Cole for this game? <laughs> yeah. Remember they got into uh, the training camp. Yeah, that's right. Oh, scuffle a couple that's years right. back. I'm going to say under. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to say under. I'm going to take the under, but I think it's close. I think Buffalo loves to run the ball. He's going to have a lot of juice for this game. Oh, Let no. me ask you this. No, 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 no. <laughs> Let me ask you this. If if he does score. Yeah. Do we get a full-on shady bounce, or does he start it and then wave his hand and he say start, no? He starts and waves his hands. He does something to like. Oh, the whole like say no. Okay. I wonder if he goes with the uh, the Sean Jackson who started. Remember he did the, the, wings, the yeah. bird wings and he kicked and it away. Yes. He st- he stole the Joey Porter like the kick, you know, after after his sex. Or maybe McCoyle dunk on the goalpost, which he'd get fined for doing. But that was another thing he liked to do. Uh, I think we see the shady bounce though. He will do the shady bounce. I think he'll do the shady bounce. But if, I would love to see him he crack the safe and then make it rain. That's my favorite. So there it is. That's what I have for uh, game time. Nicely done, gentlemen. I will uh, keep track for the rest of the week. Um, we'll see which one of you guys uh, comes out on top. So good stuff there. And we will move ahead into mailing it in. Captain, incoming message. Please check your mailbox. A new message has arrived. And now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in our segment, Mailing It In. Oh, it is indeed. And with the holidays upon us, happy Hanukkah to all of you Jewish fans out there. The Christmas season right around the corner. And we definitely need to get the gifts out to the faithful podcast listeners who have submitted questions for us. Julie B., that will be your project. Eventually, these uh, these gifts will get sent. Eagles out. troll. That's I will respond to you personally. But yes, Eagles troll. We have not forgotten about you. A little, little behind on that. With that being said, this week's mailing it in. We're going to start with a question from at Fly Sean Fly, Sean Lamont on Twitter. Wants to know is Sam Bradford quietly playing himself into a new deal for next year? And I think that's one of the biggest questions that has to be answered in the final four games of the regular season. Obviously, we all want to see what does the team do overall. Can this team make a late-season push for the postseason? Can they win the NFC East? It'll be very exciting if they do. But long-term, you have to figure out who is your franchise quarterback. And Sam Bradford has improved. You know, Alex had the numbers. 5-2 and two in his last seven starts in games that he started and finished. Mm-hmm. We heard the numbers about the quarterback rating, 99-plus in the last three games. Three games yep. He's looked very comfortable in this offense. He had some early season rusts. He's gotten much better. I mean, that's what they brought him in here. They brought him here to be the guy, and he's playing more and more every week like it. Dude. But I think it's a question that, that we're not going to really know until the end of the season. Though. Yeah, it's Does anybody know what the Eagles have in Sam Bradford at this point? Do we know how good he could be in this offense? Has he reached a peak? The numbers say he hasn't. The numbers say that he's still trending upwards. If he has a full offseason under his belt, if he has another year with these receivers, at times it's looked really, really good, and at times it's looked bad. But it's, like you said, C-Mac, it's one of those questions that I still don't think we really have an answer to at this point. And the last four games, and whether or not he can lead the Eagles on a playoff run, I think that's going to go a long way. The other thing too is it doesn't, and it's not part of the question. Is what kind of a deal? You know, I mean, is it a uh, one or two year deal, or is it one of these incentive laden deals where you know, like the Colin Kaepernick and Andy Dalton contracts, where it's uh, very much performance based and after it almost becomes year to year after a certain point. I mean, uh, that would be the interesting part of it. But certainly, the next four games are going to have a huge stake into what Sam Bradford, you know, what happens with him in the off season. So the big thing is also on his side: is he going to want to come back? No question. To Philadelphia. Yeah. We don't know. No question. Fran, you received a question. I did. I did. On Twitter. It was a uh, it was a good question. It was about Eric Rowe. 
And like I said earlier, I was really impressed with how Rowe played. It was his first week as a starter. And C. James Philly on Twitter asked, do you see Rowe being better at staying with receivers on the deeper routes as opposed to driving on the ball at the top of the shallower routes? So I would say the one area that Rowe... He gave up a couple catches throughout the game where on those deep comebacks. So it was really where the receiver sold it as a vertical route and then, you know, 15 to 18 yards downfield cuts it back, comes as a deep comeback route. There were two really nice throws by Tom Brady, but uh, those were two of the big catches that Rowe did give up in the game. I think that he's done a really good job, and this was a big question for him coming out of, of Utah, was what were his ball skills like? How does he play down the field when the ball is in the air? Can he work to stay uh, in good position and then turn and find the ball late? I actually have been really impressed with how Rowe has done that so far this year. I think Corey Unlin's done a really good job with him and bringing him along, and Rowe has really excelled at that. We saw examples of it this week. We saw it in Detroit. We saw it on his interception in week three against the Jets, just his ability to play the ball in the air. I think, obviously, look, he's a bigger, longer corner, and some of those bigger, longer corners are going to have issues in a short area at times trying to keep up with quicker receivers. I mean, that's that's going to happen. We saw that on the first catch he gave up against uh, Golden Tate a week ago on Thanksgiving, uh, and we'll, we're going to see that those kinds of issues at times. We see it at times with Byron Maxwell as well. Anytime you have a bigger corner, you're going to give up a little bit in terms of athleticism. But overall, when you have a guy that can play with good technique and then he has the length and the the mental capacity to keep himself in good position, you've got a guy that can win in a number of different areas. That's another question that the Eagles have to answer going into next off seasons because Nolan Carroll, who's done for the year with the injury, he's a free agent. Walter Thurman, who's been very good in this defense, who has stayed healthy throughout the course of the season which was the big knock on him coming into the year. He's an unrestricted free agent. So you have to figure out where does Eric Rowe fit into the big picture? Is he definitely the starting cornerback of the future? Or is he someone who might transition to safety over time? I feel like he can play corner. I think he's shown he can play corner. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the spot you'd want to fill first and foremost. But still, I think that's another thing that the Eagles have to figure out. I would agree. I, I think that he's shown that for the time being, for the short term, and that might you know, short term, maybe five, six years, that he's a corner. I, I think he's he's got enough to stay a corner. All right. So I think that's going to do it for us here on this edition of the Eagles Insider Podcast. I have one last surprise. We have another Spanish radio call. All right. So I'll wait here. Sproles, y la 20. Sproles, 25. 30. Sproles, 40. Sproles, 50. Sproles, 40. A la 30. A la 20. Iba Darius Sproles. Se va para la casa. Touchdown, Eagles. Touchdown, Eagles. Darren Sproles. Ay, papá. Ay, papá. Great. Was the air horn part of the call, or did you actually add it? No, I just add the air horn. <laughs> yeah, I know. It sounds, sounds great. Playing the air horn reminds me of groggy nights in college yeah. <laughs> uh, again thank you very much to everyone for listening to the Eagles Insider Podcast if you haven't already subscribed please do so and make sure to rate and comment and let us know what you want to hear in the future for the guys I can't even say behind the scenes Brian Thomas has been front and center this episode Chris Stevens doing his thing doing a great job with the surprises making us all happy here for Alex Smith and Fran Duffy I'm Chris McPherson you've been listening to the Eagles Insider Podcast.